Dr. Pauline Clance was born in 1938 in Appalachia, Virginia, in a place called Baptist Valley. Her father was a sawmill operator and struggled financially to put food on the table and gas in his pickup truck. As a child, Dr. Clance did exceptionally well in school. But after she took each test, she would tell her mother, I think I failed it. She was ambitious and well-liked and yet was shocked when she beat the football captain to become class president. She was the first in her family to go to college, eventually earning a PhD in psychology. As a professor at Oberlin College in the early 1970s, she kept hearing echoes of her story from other women. One colleague, Dr. Susan Imes, had grown up in Texas with an older sister deemed the smart one. And Dr. Imes remembers crying to her mother after a Latin test, I know I failed. When she got an A, her mother said, I never want to hear this from you again. As described in a recent issue of the New Yorker magazine, Drs. Clance and Imes conducted research in the early 1970s among many successful women who experienced feelings of inadequacy and insecurity. They called it the imposter phenomenon, better known today as the imposter syndrome, a label actually the two authors dislike. As Maya Angelou put it, I have written 11 books. But each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. It's Maya Angelou. (laughs) Imposter phenomenon describes this fear of being found out for not being good enough, for being in the wrong field, and especially for crossing social and economic boundaries like Maya Angelou or Dr. Pauline Clance. It's the fear of going without your fig leaves, if you will. And so life feels like one big cover-up. According to Drs. Clance and Imes, underlying the sense of being an imposter is inadequacy. And inadequacy fosters insecurity. And that is what pastor and theologian David Lowe's says is going on in our Genesis reading for today. Lowe's points out that before Adam and Eve sinned, there was temptation. And before temptation, there was inadequacy and scarcity. In his words, we didn't start with original sin. We started with original insecurity. In our reading today, the serpent starts by asking a question. Did God really say you cannot eat of any tree in the garden? This question is designed to make the first human beings distrust God. It's designed to make them think that God hasn't told them everything they need to know. It's designed to make them think they are lacking, lacking something important. As Lowe's tells it, to think you lack something important is to be insecure in who you already are. To be insecure is to think you need that thing you lack to be better, wiser, funnier, prettier, more financially secure, and more loved. The serpent has made the man and the woman understand that they lack knowledge. So they're 
insecurity. This original insecurity takes over and they want to fix the situation and so they seek out this wisdom and they eat of the tree. In this insecurity, they are turning away from God, the one who can make them feel secure. So by seeking their own knowledge, they determine that the command to eat no longer applies to them, the command not to eat no longer applies to them, and they begin to think they can determine what's in their best interest, but they can't, and we can't. I mean, sure, on some level, we can figure out what we need for flourishing on some level, the kinds of foods, the kinds of exercise, healthy relationships, meaningful work, love, but we can't see what God sees. We often can't see that the healthy relationship we need is right in front of us, that the meaningful work is the next job, not the current one that our inability to eat what we should, exercise as the doctor prescribed, or do whatever else is good for our physical and mental health, that inability is actually bound up in our original insecurity and our resulting distance from God. For when we try to create an identity without God, the way that these first human beings did, it is hard to know and then hard to act upon what is in our best interest because we can't see the big picture of our lives the way God does. Fortunately, though, we can see more than the first man and woman. We now know that to seek knowledge apart from God is futile. To forge an identity apart from our creator is meaningless. Indeed, we know now that only God can help us overcome our original insecurity that indeed we find security in God. We may know this, but we don't often act on it. Think about our world today, where the use and abuse of power, status, social dominance, and money is often an exercise in hiding one's deep insecurity about one's place in the world. Fear-based talk where we make people who are different from us or perceived to be different from us into some kind of other, that's often about our insecurity in a changing world. Power struggles and belittling and demeaning others to get ahead separates us from God. It's when we are trying to forge our own identity. And so we are without God, when we are without God, we are stuck in these cycles of insecurity and acting and reacting out of this insecurity. The church is no exception. I am aware of the irony of talking about the imposter phenomenon and original insecurity in a sermon about this second creation story. For today's reading and related verses of Genesis have been used to make women feel insecure, like imposters. Princeton professor Elaine Pagels, in her book, Adam, Eve, and the Serpent, writes that Augustine's theologies on original sin, Eve's role and temptation and sexuality, were both radical at the time and tell us more about Augustine's own insecurities, struggles with desire, and issues with power than about God's relationship with humanity. Likewise, there is scholarly consensus that Adam, A-D-A-M, 
The Hebrew word used in these creation stories means being, person, human, or humanity in a gender-neutral way. So it's not a man's first name, or even usually man, as in a male human being. In other words, the first human was not man or Adam, but being. Indeed, in the Hebrew, it is only after the creation of the second being that two new Hebrew words are introduced into the story, ish for man and isha for woman. So the first woman and the first man came out of the first being. There is no priority of order. And this is true in the first creation story as well. Alas, our original insecurity led us to think that God plays favorites with human beings here based on gender. But that isn't the God we believe in. God shows no partiality based on gender or skin color or power or wealth or beauty or any other attributes. We should have no insecurity before God. Yet, when the man and the woman in the garden act out of their insecurity and eat of the forbidden fruit, their eyes are opened. They understand who they really are, naked, is not who they think they should be, covered with fig leaves. So literally and metaphorically, they try to hide from God parts of themselves that they think shouldn't be shown, like any imposter would. They are insecure all over again, separating themselves from God. It's the first cover-up in history. But there is no way for them to hide from God. As Philip Yancey admits, in vain, I sometimes build barriers to keep God out, stubbornly disregarding the fact that God looks on the heart, penetrating where no person can see. Indeed, God wants to see these parts of us, the parts that we try to hide because in our insecurity, the world, we think the world can't or won't accept them. This is what Lent is about. Lent is about laying bare before God our insecurities, our sense of being an imposter, our sense that we are pulling one over on the world or on God. Lent is when we admit our belief that we can figure out what is in our best interest without God. We confess our certainty that our identities don't depend upon God. Lent is a time to remove our fig leaves. This might be scary business. And God does have a right to judge us all, but the good news is that no matter what, we are still children of God, and God doesn't play favorites. For after God judges the first human beings, but before God sends them from the garden, God takes care of them. God makes them garments. God clothes them as a sign of God's relationship with them and God's love for them. For when we lay bare our souls before God, when we confess our insecurities, our desire for knowledge and power that are God's alone, and we, can, and we confess the ways we've tried to cover up our mistakes, God takes care of us. 
When we come before God in prayer and in worship as created and loved beings of God, we can know that we are God's just the way we are, each and every one of us. This is where security lies, in God's hands. For God does not abandon us just like God did not abandon the first human beings. None of us is an imposter in the eyes of God. God accepts us and clothes us in love always. Amen.